What's up, everybody? This is Jack Bushman with another episode of Talking Hockey. Today is Wednesday, November 14th, and unfortunately, the Blackhawks are still riding the losing streak. It has now reached eight games, and since we last talked, the Blackhawks lost 4-0 Saturday afternoon in Philadelphia and lost 3-2 in overtime Monday night in Carolina. It was the second time uh, the Hawks lost to Carolina by one goal in the last five days. Hawks have now recorded just two out of the last 16 points possible, both of those coming in overtime losses. And the same problems continue to plague this team night in and night out. Depth scoring, or really any scoring for that matter, weak end zone defense, and special teams are three areas that are really hurting the Blackhawks during this losing streak, and really all season long. Even when the Hawks were 6-2-2 at one point, man, does that really seem like a long time ago. I did not really feel like we were all that good, and we had gotten really lucky. The top six was producing like crazy, and the goaltending had been terrific despite what the stats say, and now the Blackhawks' top six is not producing consistently, so all these problems are becoming more evident. After a strong second half against Carolina last Thursday, I expected the Blackhawks to play a lot better than they did on Saturday afternoon. The Flyers really dominated the pace of the play during the stretch of the game uh, where it was up for grabs. Once the Flyers scored the first goal late in the first, they really took control of the game. Couturier made it 2-0 halfway through the third period, and then he also made it 3-0 early on in the third. It was a familiar feeling for the Blackhawks, who were blanked 4-0 on the road just nine days earlier in Edmonton. To go a little bit more in-depth with this game, I want to talk about uh, some concerning plays that the Hawks made, mostly on the goals that were scored which uh, three of the goals that Philadelphia scored were not empty netters I will go over. The first one was created off of a horrible Duncan Keith turnover, and Duncan Keith really looked out of sync all afternoon long. He logged a minus three in this one and was directly involved in two of the three goals I am about to go over. If you go back and you look at the first goal, Keith was behind his net on the right side and was being pressured uh, by on both sides of him by Robert Haig and Sean Couturier. But as a leader of this defense, Duncan Keith needs to know better and be better than blindly throwing backhanded passes to the slot. Throw it around the end boards and live to fight another day, as Eddie Olchek often says. If you make these types of passes, you have to be 100% positive that it's going to a teammate or else the pass cannot happen. Duncan Keith makes a terrible decision and it finds a dangerous man in Claude Giroux and he knows exactly what to do with this kind of opportunity. He goes forehand, backhand, five-hole between the legs of Corey Crawford and makes it one nothing Philadelphia. On the second goal of the game, we saw the Flyers try to clear the zone as Claude Giroux threw the puck up the right boards and it bounced towards Duncan Keith holding uh, down the blue line. And while it was a bouncing puck and a tough play, Keith has to realize that he is the last line of defense to prevent a breakaway here. Keith struggles to handle the puck and gets caught flat-footed. We talk about Blackhawks defensemen getting flat, caught flat-footed all the time. Keith gets caught flat-footed on his attempt to one-handed swat the puck away from danger. Instead, Keith fans on the attempt and ends up on his stomach, giving Couturier a breakaway from the red line in. Chris Kunitz was able to apply some kind of pressure on a back check, but the power forward Couturier used his big body to shield the puck from Kunitz and used his great patience to put it past Corey Crawford. Second period was really dominated by the Philadelphia Flyers. They outshot the Blackhawks 11-8, to 
and they got the majority of the grade A opportunities. Duncan Keith has to realize here what position that he is in making this play. Already down one nothing with a struggling offense. Can't afford to go down 2 nothing on the road. He has to stay on his feet or make sure that this puck is out of harm's way or apply some pressure to avoid a breakaway to Couturier. Instead, he makes a do-or-die play by leaving his feet to try to swap the puck away from Sean Couturier and ends up taking himself out of the play completely. It is a tough play and one you won't see Duncan Keith make too often, but during this losing streak, he really has not looked like his same old self defensively. He is now 35 years old, and it's hard to rely on Duncan Keith as a number one defenseman playing 25 minutes a night at his age. Keith struggled in this one, and it was really good to see him have a bounce-back game in Carolina Monday night, as we'll talk about later. Breaking down the third goal of the night for the Flyers, it looked like just a normal zone entry for Philadelphia. Claude Giroux made a nice play to dodge a Patrick Kane four-track in neutral ice, but he found Sean Couturier in perfect stride. But if this play was defended well, it should have been a play the Hawks were able to keep uh, to the outside of the net. Instead, Jan Ruta, the right defenseman on the ice for the Blackhawks on this play, gets caught flat-footed again while Sean Couturier is going full speed. We talked about Couturier being a big power forward using his big frame earlier, and we see it here once again. Ruta gets absolutely blown by here and does a horrible job of trying to check Couturier to the outside. He lets Couturier use his size and speed to cut to the front of the net and put a shot on Corey Crawford. Crawford was able to get a piece of the shot, but as it was trickling toward the goal line, Brandon Manning tried to clear it out of the crease, but ended up just putting it into his own net. This was really an unfortunate thing to happen to Brandon Manning in his return back to Philadelphia, where he had played uh, in the previous seasons. But the puck was likely going in regardless. Manning putting this one in the back of the net kind of took the attention away from the fact that Jan Ruta got absolutely burned here and continues to be a question mark defensively. We have seen the type of weapon Ruta can be uh, with his offensive shot and skill, but his speed and play in the defensive zone continues to be inconsistent. This play keeps Ruta's name in the mix of players who could be finding themselves as the odd man out in Chicago once all the Blackhawk defensemen are healthy and back into the mix. So to uh, recap this game overall, it really was a disaster for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, they failed to get many good scoring chances all night long. It, it looked like the team was moving in the right direction in the second half of the game last Thursday against Carolina, but after... Uh, they allowed the first goal. They failed to get many good scoring chances until they were already down 3 nothing, and the game had already pretty much been decided. The power play once again struggled in Philly, going 0-4 on the afternoon. It was so bad that, as many Blackhawks fans saw after the game, Eddie Olchek went on air and publicly stated that the Blackhawks need to do something different, and you could tell in his tone of voice he was sick of watching the Blackhawks do the same thing and fail over and over and over and over again. Uh, he made it very clear that this kind of play is simply not good enough. There's nothing going on in the Blackhawks' power play. It's all Patrick Kane trying to make plays from the half wall. There's no movement. There's no traffic in front of the net, and there's no playmaking going on at all. Blackhawks' power play is currently ranked 30th in the league, just 0.4% higher than Nashville, who is currently last. The power play is converting on just 12.5% of their power plays and are one for their last 10. 
something has to change with this power play unit because this has gone on for long enough. Get traffic in front of the net, put pucks on net, and good things will happen. I'm not sure why it is so hard for the Hawks to grasp that concept, that concept and to make changes. Hawks get no movement while they're a man up. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of their power play chances, they fail to get a single quality look or even a shot on goal. It's terrible right now, and Jeremy Colleton has to be addressing it right now. It has to change right here, right now. With a team that is struggling to score goals and has been for the last month or so, something needs to be changed up. It's clear whatever is going on here is not working, and there needs to be improvement soon, or else the season is going to be lost before we're even close to the halfway point. The Blackhawks had another good opportunity to end their seven-game losing streak Monday night in Carolina, but they failed to hold on to another two-goal lead, as they have multiple times throughout this break. Uh, but uh, it was the fourth time during the eight-game losing streak the Blackhawks have blown a lead. The first period continues to be a strong point for the Hawks as they were able to jump out to a 1-0 lead on the road nine minutes in as Jonathan Taze had a nice redirect on a Henry Yokiharu one-timer. You go back, you look at the tape, it was Patrick Kane walking into the zone, uh, pulling up at the right half wall and circling back to the slot. He found Henry Yokiharu jumping into play for a one-timer and Jonathan Taze with great net front presence that the Blackhawks need to do more often is able to redirect a puck past Scott Darling. Uh, it was Jonathan Taze's ninth goal of the season. It's nice to see Taze consistently scoring for the top line, but man, could he use some help from the bottom six. For the lack of scoring Taze has had the last two seasons, it's really unfortunate uh, the year that he is uh, bouncing back and able to be back on his game. His team has no depth and has helped him out very little. Kane really made this play happen on the goal as he uses speed and patience to find the open man at the point, Yoki Haru. Uh, how many times have we seen Patrick Kane now, you know, enter the zone with speed, uh, finesse his way around defensemen, and spin around to circle the top of the zone and make a play? Patrick Kane continues to be involved on a nightly basis and can find himself playing on that top line with Schmaltz and Taves more often if the Blackhawks continue to struggle scoring goals and have depth depth problems. Word depth has given me some hard time this afternoon. <laughs> the second goal of the night was a beautiful passing play from the Chicago Blackhawks, something that we have not seen from them in a while. Alex Dabrinkit, David Kampf, and Dominic Cahoon <clears throat> made up the third line Monday night for the Blackhawks, and they created some good scoring chances together. The three of them combined for eight shots on goal and all had a point on the second goal of the night. David Kampf did his job perfectly, pressuring Justin Falk to make a turnover in his own zone. Uh, Cahoon was Johnny on the spot to jump on the loose puck and made a fantastic play by dropping the puck between his own legs for the trailer, Alex Dabrinkit. Ken and Cahoon have had some great chemistry together this season, and I assume uh, Jeremy Colleton will continue to keep them together as we move forward. Alex Dabrinkit was given a great feed in the slot, and he made no mistake about it, blown by the blocker side of Scott Darling. Uh, halfway through the game, the Hawks found themselves up 2 to nothing. Hawks were not playing great once again defensively, but Cam Ward was playing fantastic in his return home to Carolina all night long. But unfortunately, what came next was so typical of the Blackhawks in their last 50 games where they have struggled the most in the last 10 seasons. Two penalties in the matter of 43 seconds allowed Carolina to get right back into this game. Brent Seabrook took the dreaded delay game penalty, and it did not take long for Carolina to take advantage of the veteran defenseman's mistake. 
Sebastian Ajo won the offensive zone faceoff against David Kampf cleanly, and Tavo Teravainen playing the right point on the power play one time to pass Cam Ward, blocker side, who had absolutely no chance. Not much to talk about on this goal except for the fact that it was another goal that is very preventable, as Jerry, Jeremy Colleton has stated multiple times during his tenure as Blackhawks head coach. A lot of the mistakes the Blacks are making are self-inflicted, such as Brent Seabrook taking a delay at game penalty up two goals. Well, those plays are unfortunate, and you know it's never intentional. They cannot happen, especially from veteran defensemen, especially in this type of scenario. Blackhawks, we're in the winning business. We're in a city that loves to win. We've won a lot in the past, and we want to win right now. Those type of plays are plays that kill you and your momentum. Brent Seabrook's penalty did just that. Right after Carolina was finally able to put one by their former goaltender of many years and many good memories, they kept the pressure on, and young defenseman Henry Yoki Haru took a costly penalty that gave the Blackhawks even, or the Hurricanes, even more momentum. Did not take long for Carolina to strike again on the power play. And yet again, it's another play where the Blackhawks shoot themselves in the foot. Going back and looking at the film sometimes makes me even more frustrated because, as I said on previous podcast episodes, I literally see the same thing happening over and over again. It's breakdown after breakdown in the defensive zone. doesn't matter who is in net for the Blackhawks. Cam Ward has played a terrific game for Chicago and found himself on the losing end of this one because the defense in front of him is flat-out pathetic. I've been putting it nicely lately because I've always been trying to give Blackhawks and their players the benefit of the doubt, but these types of plays have been happening too often uh, for way too long, and I cannot put it nicely anymore. This defensive unit is horrible in their own zone. We saw Keith play horribly Saturday afternoon in Philly. Uh, Monday night, Brent Seabrook played absolutely horrible all night long. He cost his team the lead here on the penalty kill by making similar mistakes he's made all season long. As I keep freaking saying, the Hawks make the same mistakes all season long. Second goal is a simple two-on-two play into the Hawks zone. It's easy man-to-man coverage, and for some reason, Brent Seabrook does the one thing he absolutely cannot afford to do. He leaves his man wide open in front of the net on a two-on-two. Dougie Keith gets bodied by Andrei Svechnikov on the rush, but Keith keeps his play to the outside, and as long as Seabrook is tying up his man, it will not make a difference. Well, instead, Seabrook is caught puck-watching, as he has been really all season long now, and uh, he leaves his man wide open in front of the net. Seabrook gets aggressive and lunges at Svechnikov right as he uh, makes the pass to Furland, who ends up being wide open in front of the net with no one on him. Ward did not stand a chance once again, and it is a 2-2 game a minute and four seconds after it was once 2-0 Chicago. Another two-goal lead right down the drain. So, the Hurricanes were given two power plays all night long, both during critical parts of this game. The Blackhawks failed to step up to the challenge both times. Uh, It ended up costing them the game. Third period consisted of some back-and-forth hockey, but the Hurricanes were the ones who got the better of the opportunities late, and if it weren't for Cam Ward's efforts, this game would not have made it to overtime. Hawks were lucky Uh, in the third period, actually, because Brent Seabrook, who played terrible all night long, as I said, took another awful penalty halfway through the third period that would have given the Hurricanes their third power play of the night. Luckily for the Blackhawks, Jordan Martinuk was undisciplined and took a retaliation penalty, and instead of the Hurricanes' power play, it was four skaters aside for two minutes. Hawks were able to decide the dwindling minutes of the third period, and the game was sent to overtime. But overtime did not last long. 
just over a minute, and the Hurricanes were the ones getting the better of the opportunities during this stretch. Much like the second half of this game, Sebastian Ajo took a Justin Falk pass into the zone and used his patience to get himself a wide-open chance in front of the net. Brent Seabrook once again played, <laughs> played this poorly. He uh, gave, gave into the play too early. Uh, it looked like a flopping fish around on his stomach. Steve was laid out to try to block the shot, but ended up giving Aho a wide-open one-on-one with Ward with the game on his stick. To be fair, this was a quick two-on-one play where Brent Seabrook had to react fast. I do not think his decision to lay out to block a potential shot was the wrong move, but with the game he had and how he looked when it ended could not be any worse for the 33-year-old veteran. And just like that, the Blackhawks had blown another two-goal lead, and the streak had reached eight games. Blackhawks are now 0-6-2 over that process and find themselves with a 6-8-4 record now after starting off 6-2-2. The Blackhawks really need to get back to basics to stop shooting themselves in the foot. Currently with the fourth-worst record in the Western Conference, it's crucial the Hawks put an end to the streak before things get out of hand. The Central Division is the toughest in hockey with Nashville, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Dallas, and Colorado all going on some sort of winning streak while the Hawks are shitting the bed. Their schedule does not get any easier coming up as the Blackhawks play Minnesota, Washington, and Tampa Bay. Washington and Tampa Bay coming on the road in three of their upcoming five games. So now every game starts to become bigger and bigger and bigger. The Blackhawks have to feel and embrace the pressure that is currently surrounding them. How you react to that pressure is how you truly define a team. And listen, I know the Blackhawks are not a team that is a legitimate playoff contender or anything like that, but this team needs to learn how to battle for the sake of their own future. The season has already been a tough one, and we are only 18 games into the season. There's a lot of hockey left to be played, and anything can happen in this game. But what needs to happen for sure, if the Hawks need to get back into the film room, they need to get back into the film room, address their problems, and fix them for real this time. Power play needs a complete overhaul. As Eddie Olchek said, we need to be a shooting power play, put the puck on net, get traffic in front of the goaltender, and good things will happen. Simple as that. Stop trying to be too complex. Stop trying to fit in things that haven't worked for your team in two years and get back to basics. Defensively, the Hawks need to play a tighter man-to-man game, and I expect that to happen as the Hawks adjust to the new style that Jeremy Colleton uses. Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, you guys have not been even close to good enough the last week or so. I get that they have played a lot of hockey and are on the back end of their careers, but they need to be better on-ice leaders for this team. You know what they bring off the ice, and especially what a vocal leader Brent Seabrook is, but on the ice, these two guys need to play better for the sake of this defense and for the sake of their goaltender. It is as simple as that. Keith needs to get back to quick stick game and the smart and fast decisions he makes to move the puck out of his own zone. Duncan Keith played a much better game Monday night against Carolina and was a plus two on the night. He was on the ice for both of the Chicago Blackhawks goals they scored. He needs to keep playing this way and be a number one D-man for a team that desperately needs one. Seabrook needs to play quicker and be more physical in his man-to-man game. He has to put trust in a new system and what Jeremy Colleton is trying to pitch to the team. And so far, he has not looked comfortable in Jeremy Colleton's system. Seabrook made a horrible read to allow the game-time goal and also wound up flat on his stomach as Sebastian Ajo buried the overtime winner by Seabs in his netminder. Seabrook also took two penalties in the game. One was a delayed game that got Carolina right back into it, and he was fortunate his second penalty late in the game did not give Carolina a man advantage on a night where they were already 2-for-2 on the power play. 
This needs to be one to forget for Brent Seabrook. Absolutely, absolutely forget about it, but just know you have to play better in your role for this team. Another night like Monday night simply cannot happen. If Keith and Seabrook are the ones making turnovers and causing problems in the hog zone, then good luck the rest of the way because this team will have absolutely no shot at being competitive with anybody. So moving on to the state of this team and where the Hawks are before taking on the St. Louis Blues at home tonight, a huge game against divisional rival that you never want to lose, especially in your own building. Hawks were able to take the first two games of the season series, both coming in overtime, but the Blues dominated last game at home where the current losing streak for the Hawks began. Corey Crawford will likely be in that after getting an extra couple days off because of Cam Ward's courtesy start back at home in Carolina. Brandon Saad, who did not play in Philly or Carolina, looks likely to return to the lineup tonight after taking a shot to the right arm in practice last Friday. But, but before I leave, let me ask you this. Who has worse luck than Brandon Saad in the NHL? Seriously, let's think about it here. We're all aware of the struggles that Brandon Saad had down the stretch last season, but why was he struggling so bad? You look back at his shots on goal last season, and he had the most he has ever had in his career. He had more shots on goal than he did when he put up 31 goals, his career high, his first year in Columbus. But you look at his shooting percentage, and it was 7.6, easily Brandon Saad's career low. His previous low in a full season before that, 11.3%, nearly a 4% dip. Brandon Saad was in the right areas putting pucks on net, but could not catch a break. Fast forward to this season, and Saad continues to be as snake bit as ever. Brandon Saad had a game this year where he hit the post twice in the same game, one short-handed, while he was still struggling to get his first goal of the season. A little more than a week ago, Brandon Saad took a puck to the face in practice and had to spend about two to three hours at the dentist getting stitches and such. Right as Saad was finally playing his best hockey and becoming effective in the top six role and scoring goals, he takes a puck to the face in practice. Now fast forward to last Friday's practice before the Philadelphia game, and Saad takes a shot to the right arm once again in practice. He said on the flight to Philadelphia, he started noticing some pain in his right arm, and that's when uh, the Hawks decided they are going to keep him out for that game and then decided to keep him out of Monday's game against Carolina for precautionary reasons. Two practice injuries for Saad in the matter of a week. <laughs> Seriously, nothing can go right for this guy. He could easily have seven goals right now for the Hawks, but instead he only has four goals and just eight points in his first 16 games this season. So hopefully the Hawks get Saad back tonight. They say they expect to, for him to play. He has been one of the better Hawks forwards during this tough stretch. He needs to continue getting to the front of the net, putting pucks on goal, and uh, causing havoc down low for the Chicago Blackhawks. Marcus Kruger was also out for both the Philadelphia and the Carolina game and was actually put on IR yesterday afternoon. Although he was put on IR, this is not that serious of an injury for Kruger as he was on the ice for practice yesterday but will not play against St. Louis. The Hawks decided to move Kruger to the IR in order to call up Gustav Forsling, a huge call up of Gustav Forsling, who is back and healthy after off-season wrist surgery. Forsling is a huge addition to a struggling Blackhawks defensive unit that will take all the help they will get right now. This will now be Forsling's third stint with the Blackhawks, each filled with plenty of good and also some streaks of poor play that ended up landing him back with Rockford. This time around, Gustav Forsling is looking to be here for good, and I really hope that that comes true. Forsling showed great flashes during both his first and second stint with the Blackhawks, but found himself kind of getting to a slump for multiple games, which cost him his spot on the team. 
with the way this defense is currently playing, Forsling could jump into a top role immediately with the Chicago Blackhawks, although in practice this morning, they slated him on that third unit uh, with Brandon Manning. Tonight it looks like Brandon Davidson and... Uh, Brandon Davidson and Jan Ruta will be the odd men out. So it will be interesting to see definitely uh, how interesting and awesome would it be, though, to watch him and Henry Yoki Haru play together. With Keith and Seabrook struggling as of late, it's not all that crazy. Last game, Keith and Seabrook were paired together in Jeremy Colleton's first real go at the line. So it will be interesting to see uh, what pairs are put together during this game. Uh, Jeremy Colleton was asked about eight defensemen, and he said he was not against it, but was also, you know, not really uh, in favor of that idea all too much. He said it does provide an open competition, uh, and it gives guys a chance to step up and have to play their best game, or else they could realize uh, they could be without a spot on the Chicago Blackhawks roster with Forsling now back, and of course Connor Murth Murphy was practicing this morning in full gear as well, so he could be back in a matter of weeks. So this Blackhawks defensive core is becoming very crowded, and uh, likely in the next couple of weeks we're going to see someone without a job. So before I sign off on this episode, I want to talk about some keys to the game tonight against the St. Louis Blues. One of the biggest keys is that the special teams needs to win, uh, be the better special teams tonight. They need to win the special teams play. The last time these two teams played, the Blues scored two power play goals and the Hawks failed to cash in on their only opportunity as they have many times this season. Hawks currently ranked 30th on the power play and 25th on the penalty kill. With this roster, that is an absolute recipe for disaster. The Blues are a top 10 team in both of those categories. If the Blues win the special teams battle tonight, chances are they come out on top in this one. The Hawks need to stay out of the penalty box and get some pucks on that to give this power play some momentum. The Blackhawks need all the goals they can get right now with a struggling defense. The Blues are also the best faceoff team in the league, so another key for me is that the Blackhawks need to be better in the faceoff dot. A lot of the Blues' success in the dot this season has to do with the addition of Ryan O'Reilly, who is the best faceoff man in the entire league last season. Last game, O'Reilly's line was the best line on the ice all night. O'Reilly had three points and won 57% of his draws the last time these two teams met. Uh, and O'Reilly has been deadly of late for St. Louis, and the Hawks need to keep the puck out of his hands and win some faceoffs. Jonathan Taze has to come to play tonight as he only won 35% of his draws last time he played St. Louis. Another key is the big dogs need to play like the big dogs for Chicago. St. Louis has a great offense and power play. There is no doubt about it. The Blackhawks have a terrible defense and penalty kill. No doubt about it. If Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook play poorly, it could be a long night for Corey Crawford. Keith and Seabrook need to have a bounce-back game and need to be top defensemen for the Blackhawks in this big rivalry game. They need to play awesome, and they cannot afford to have turnovers or costly mistakes in their own zone like they each have had the last two games. The last key to success I have for the Blackhawks tonight is get traffic to the net. The Hawks are struggling to score goals, and it is no secret. They have five goals in their past three games. The Blackhawks need to get back to basics. Cause trouble in front of the net and get shots through. Create second and third chance opportunities. The Blues' biggest weakness is their goaltending this season. Cause havoc in front of the net and make their goalie work to make those saves. Right now, the Hawks are not doing a good enough job with their net front presence, and that needs to happen tonight. 
So hopefully this is the game where the Blackhawks finally end their terrible losing streak. They have had their chances during this run to end it, but need to play a complete 60-minute game against St. Louis for the streak to end. A complete 60-minute game and a complete game from all phases, both the power play, the penalty kill, and 5-on-5 five -five play. The Hawks need to be aggressive all night long and constantly be firing pucks towards the net. They cannot uh, afford to jump out to a lead and become complacent like they have recently. I always look forward to watching these rivalry games because no matter uh, what the state of the team is or no matter which direction either team is trending, it is always going to be a battle from start to finish that no one wants to lose. Hopefully the Hawks are able to come out on the winning side against St. Louis for the third time in four meetings so far this season. Whoever wins tonight will be ahead of the losing team in the standings as the Hawks are currently just one point ahead of the Blues with three games in hand. So it should be a fun one to watch. That is all I have for this episode of Talkin' Hockey. Once again, thank you to all the listeners out there and go Hawks. Make the Chicago Blackhawks great again. I'm Jack Bushman signing out. Until next time, peace.